Mana 3 Media. This is the Book Publicist Podcast, powered by Local PR Toolkit. I'm your host, Jason Jones, and I'm a longtime book publicist and agent. We're going to talk to publicists, media, publishers, and authors and give you a peek behind the curtain into the world of book marketing and publicity. So, my marketing and publicity starved author friends, let's go! Hey, Jason Jones here, host of the Book Publicist Podcast. This is our last episode of our first season. It's really flown by. I can't believe that we're already through, but we'll be back in a few months with an entire slate of great conversations with media professionals, publishing pros, publicists, authors. So make sure that you're subscribed and ready to download and listen again in season two. Thanks so, so much, all of you guys that have made this first season such a success. We've had some great conversations and hopefully taught all of you self-published authors and folks who are interested in doing some of your own PR work. Hopefully we've taught you something. In continuing with all the great conversations we've had this first season, today is certainly no different. Talking with a longtime friend, Jennifer Willingham, who is honestly as good as anybody in this business. Uh, Jennifer is the CEO and founder of the Epic Agency here in Nashville, and they work with the big-time authors and filmmakers, and I don't even know how many New York Times best-selling books she's worked on, and Jennifer does absolutely awesome work. And I'm really thrilled to be able to bring you this conversation about the 10 things that your publicist has not told you, but probably should. So enjoy this conversation with Jennifer and I'll talk to you on the other side. So Jennifer Willingham. Hey Jason, thanks for having me. (laughs) I haven't seen you in so long. You know, the, um, the thing is you and I usually see each other about once a year yeah at a conference at a somewhere convention. yeah and we and of course there are no conferences right now there's nothing right now we've been holed up in our homes forever you up north of nashville and me south of nashville and so it's been, it's great to see you it's been way too long it's good to be here and i feel like i'm in such a professional environment you guys are like totally maxed out with all the equipment hey well, look we, at you we do what we can so before we get too much further into the conversation uh let me introduce you to all of our, our listeners jennifer willingham is an entertainment executive she's got a Extensive experience creating box office hits, New York Times bestsellers, a lot of big events, especially here in the Nashville area. Jennifer is the CEO of Epic Agency, which is really the premier full-service marketing and PR agency uh, in the faith and family space. Uh, She has been in this space for, for many, many years. In all the years I've been in this business for probably about the last 15 years, there are a few names that, that you hear often and always, um, you know, universally loved, respected people. Jennifer's mm, one of those. I've always, you. before I got to know her, heard such wonderful things about her as a person and how good she was at what she did. And so, so thankful that we got to know each other eventually. And hopefully, you know, um, with what we're doing, we'll have opportunities going forward to, to, to work together and, and get to do uh, some things. She has launched, I think it says here, more than 50 New York Times mm-hmm. bestselling books and lots of national bestsellers. You know, in, in the film thing, you've you've mm-hmm. been really busy working on some mm-hmm. big films the last few years. Uh, films that, that a lot of our listeners have probably seen. Overcomer, right? And Overcomer um, and War that, Room. And yeah. um, I, I Still Believe, which was the one for this year with Jeremy Camp's story. And then yeah. I Can Only Imagine, which was the biggest hit of any kind that was independently produced in 2018, Mm. which was um, sort of done by Division of Lionsgate. And then the one that really sort of put us on the map 
um, which I would never say is good cinema, is God's Not Dead. Mm. Um, but that was <laughs> such a, a box office anomaly, like lightning in a bottle. Um, they were like, oh, wait. And so we had so many people calling going, what did you do? Can you do that for me? I was like, no, I cannot do that for you because it's lightning in a bottle. I can't reproduce that. And it wasn't me. It's yeah. never about me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've had a, a good run with films. I've probably worked on more than 30 films now. Been a producer here and there on a couple. And um, what I really love about films is it's an easier way to market fiction. So we were talking earlier about novels. Mm-hmm. I do not have the publicizing a novel thing figured out. It's really weird, though, that with film, it's like a you know film version of a novel, um, it's easy. It's so easy to market. Of course, we have lots of money, which makes things always easier. But it's, <laughs> right. it's really interesting that that does not translate to the page. So I've noticed you've been into uh, a lot lately. You've got this new venture of yours, Epic, that uh, looks like it's doing exceedingly well. Of course, I would expect no less from you, big time. Big time. Um, You know. You don't like that nickname, do you? I don't like that nickname. (laughs) You know, because it feels so assuming. The people I love most have the the most nicknames. If I if I really like you, I don't call you by your real name. That is a. It is. That's how I operate. It's a compliment Mm -hmm. to be given a moniker Mm -hmm. by Jason. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You know, I failed before, so I had a venture years ago Mm -hmm. when my two kids were really little. And I went out on my own doing some freelance PR, and it was a miserable, terrible, big failure. And so I think those of us who are trying to to do things and create, um, I think we've all experienced the different spectrum. So for me now at Epic, you know, my third business venture that I've launched, um, it's kind of nice. I think I've, I've learned some of the hard things earlier on, and so mm-hmm. now it's just a little bit more of smooth sailing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. And this is I, Jones Literary. Just we just launched a couple of years ago, and I've learned so much in the last two years, probably more than I learned in in my entire mm-hmm. career previously. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something about doing it all yourself for totally. yourself. Yeah, and 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 uh, it's easy when you're working for someone else to to uh, you've got all these ideas that you think you want to execute and that you think you could execute that would be so easy. I could I could do this. I want to do that, and all of a sudden. When you can take on yeah. all those things, you start to figure out that, you know, it's it's not as easy as maybe you thought it was. Well, know? because you're having to do everything. And so you are the accountant. You are the CEO. You are the um, chief cook and bottle washer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing everything. Mm-hmm. And what I find is many of us in the entrepreneurial space, when we become sort of the jack of all trades, we are the master of none. Mm-hmm. And then whatever it is that we do for others we don't do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I say it's like the cobbler's children have no shoes. Right. Like we do our own social media last. Mm-hmm. We do our own <laughs> branding right. last That's because right. we're too busy serving clients. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of have to stop that crazy wheel um, and go, okay, wait a minute. If I am going to be known for this thing, mm-hmm. I probably need to look like I'm good at that thing mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. And so it um, can really transform your business when you go from just working in your business to working on your business. Right. And it's a it's a mindset. Everything I have found is mindset. Mm-hmm. It comes down to deciding what or how you're going to do mm-hmm. the thing and then just doing it. Yeah. Well, and one of the toughest things for me has been, uh, and I know you get this, is, is that I've got so many ideas and so many things I want to do. Yeah. I can't do all of them, so pick mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it, it's it's which one do I want to do? Which one's the best idea right now? Which one, you know, it, it, it's, it's just there's so much. Yeah. Transitioning to 
another struggle I know a lot of our listeners have that I have uh, is content creation. And that's yeah. something that Epic does we a, do a lot of. really, yeah, a lot of, of great work in that uh, that space. There's that in word that again. <laughs> so space. let's talk about content creation. Um, you know, there, there's so much noise out there. How do we create content that is a reflection of who we are and our message? And how do we do that in an effective way? What are the best platforms take me through as if I were a new client almost with Epic right now. So I think when we're trying to create content, the first thing I say to clients is, why do you want to write a book? Because usually they come to you and they have self-diagnosed. I am going to be an author. Well, that is awesome. That's a decision. I love that you've made a decision, but tell me why. Because I think some people are not meant to be authors. I think some people are meant to be amazing blog creators. I think some people are meant to be filmmakers. And I just think depending on their talent, and the area they want to speak into, maybe a book is not right for them. And so I sort of, you know, there's this great Henry Ford quote that I'm probably going to butcher. And he said one time, um, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Mm-hmm. And so that's, he built, you know, one of the first cars. Mm-hmm. So when people come to us and they've self-diagnosed, I want this, I want PR, I want content creation. You know, I sort of step up and go, but why do you want it? Yeah. So tell me where you think you want to go. Yeah. And let's figure out how to get there. So I think the content, though, the creation is, I wish people could look at something called the peso model. And so it's this sort of um, interesting diagram that illustrates paid media, earned media, shared media, and owned media. And so if you think about content creation amongst those four categories, it really gives you a lot of room to work. And so owned media is a blog or something you own, even if... um, whatever that tool is went away, would you still own the content? Yes. Whereas Facebook is a little bit different and Instagram is a little bit different. And so if you begin to think about all the different categories where you can create content, um, where you can sponsor content, um, you know, there's a huge, huge world and everybody can play at some level. Mm -hmm. And then I think, you know, from there, once you sort of get in your groove and figure out the topics you can speak to, and then the the channels and the pace of model you want to own, and then we can begin to engage and prescribe. um, Here's the type of content you can create, or here's in some cases we create for people. Um, And that becomes tricky because we have to really learn their voice. But we have a staff of great writers who do a good job at that. So I love to encourage people to just try it because I think that none of us are good when we step up to the plate the first time and swing the first time. The bat feels a little unwieldy. You know, maybe we don't have the right stance. And so only with repetition and practice can we get better. And unfortunately, you have to get better while other people can see you, right? Yeah. And so when you put your content out there, you're going to have some typos. I don't care about typos. I, I sometimes like the, the grammar editor in me is like, oh, that's not where the comma goes. But then I catch myself and go, the authenticity is the beautiful part of this journey. Mm-hmm. And so I think that people should just be really authentic in their content creation and just try it and see yeah. where they fit. I just think we ruin things because we want to homogenize the content. Right. We want to sound like our neighbor or our friend or our competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just really got to stay true to who we are. And if we change the essence we lose the magic. Mm. And so people have to figure out what their own magic is and really just keep it, keep it the main thing. So what I love is people will say, and when we used to be in publishing houses, you'd have an author come through and you'd get warned ahead of time before they caught over to the marketing area. Like, oh my goodness, that person is going to be difficult to work with. And I always found that person was not difficult. They just had a very clear idea of who they were and what they wanted to say. And I love that. Um, because it gives us a lot to go on. 
we're not having to teach them who they should be. Yeah. They already know. Yeah. You know, when people say that person is this, that person is that, it's just a snapshot, right? And so even trees in the winter, you don't really recognize. And so the editor who says that person's difficult, their experience was a tree in the winter with no leaves. So my experience is probably going to be um, a tree in the summer with lots of leaves and a lot of shade and a lot of a lot of grace to give. Hmm. So Jennifer, let's talk about the 10 things that your publicist won't tell you but should. This is one of my very, 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 <laughs> very favorite subjects. Okay, I, well, I maybe it. should start giving it as a handout when people come to us for PR work. Yeah. Um, because I think that people don't often know um, how to be good clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's this sometimes this weirdness and that publicists should be way more forthcoming mm-hmm. to clients because mm-hmm. we could really help them if we just weren't so scared of how they're going to react. Um, so the number one thing that I think publicists should tell them probably won't is, hey, if media hasn't responded back to my thousand pitches, it is you and not them. They are just not that into you um, because, you know, media don't like to say no. And so, you know, and our we have a little rule and we bend the rule, but usually... I try to say, you know, we're going to reach out a certain number of times via email. If I know the contact, I might stalk them a little bit more or call them. People hate to be called nowadays because mm-hmm. email and yes. Instagram and Twitter are so Ugh. ubiquitous. So they really hate phone calls, but I will do that if I think this is perfect. They Maybe they just had death in the family or maybe they went to Antarctica and aren't getting their email. So I will call them. But eventually you have to understand that silence is their best no. Mm. And if you keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, they're going to put you um, in email jail Mm -hmm. and block you. So (laughs) sometimes client, it is you. Mm -hmm. It is not me. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're not appealing to everyone. It just means to that particular producer for whatever reason. Yeah. It's not going to work. It's a no. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The second thing that I love is it is not always your publicist's fault. I know that that is super appealing to think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never your publicist's fault, right? I thought that was... Oh, like I had this client the other day who was like, oh, I'm really good friends with so-and-so at this show. And so if you just tell them it's me, I'm like, I've told them it's you 14 times. Not really 14, we're like four. And they're still not wanting it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like there's this ego barrier for a client when they can't receive the fact that that person that they went to band camp with does not want them on their show. Um, and I would be like, okay, then you call them, right? You call them. Because if you think they're going to have you on, then you call them. So this is also, I try to get clients to understand, let's pretend that if you don't have a blog that you do, what do you want to talk about on your blog? Do you want someone pitching you 14 times in a row about something like, um, diapers for dogs are you going to talk about diapers for dogs on your on your blog because you're not and you don't want to and you're not going to respond so then they're like oh i get it um (laughs) and it doesn't mean you don't like them right it's just not a fit it doesn't fit the other third thing that i would say is it is not fair to expect your publicist to ask for favors to get you on a show that you're not a fit for so shows revolve around sponsorships and ratings and if i were to say hey best friend that was in my wedding can you put this author on your highly rated tv show um they're going to tell me no and probably some other things too and i honestly don't want to ruin my relationship with that producer and that show by putting someone on that i know 
will not deliver in that format. So I have expertise from being in this space for 26 years. It doesn't mean that client is not super amazing. They are. We don't take any clients we don't believe in, right, Jason? Right, right, right. So for me, I have to really educate them why they're not a fit, and then they have to trust me. Having been in that situation before, too, obviously, sometimes I will enter into that conversation with a producer, and I I will come in with the disclaimer, hey, look, I know this probably isn't mm-hmm. a fit. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know that they're paying me to ask, so mm-hmm. let's just get it over with. If it's not a fit, it's okay. Is there anywhere else maybe in the, you mm-hmm. know, here at the network that maybe it is? If they point me the right direction, I'm more than happy to go that way. But this way, I you know, and, and sometimes maybe you'll, you'll be surprised. Yeah, sometimes. But, yes, it puts us in a really bad position, uh, and, and we can't play that card too often. Too often. Too often. Absolutely, yeah. The other yeah. thing that I like to do is, especially with media that I know really well, I'll say, so I noticed you didn't hit me back on this any of the thir- 13 times I've asked you. So tell me why it's not a fit. Because mm-hmm. I'm getting that it's a not a fit. But mm-hmm. If you could just tell me why, that would really help my client. Because yeah. in our reporting, we go very detailed on, here's exactly what they said. Um, because I find that it's almost like picture or it didn't happen. The way we look at reporting is... Um, reporting everything they said or it didn't happen. So we are very, very granular on the reasons for the no's because that's always the question that we get. And so when I was a client and I had PR firms, you know, working on my behalf, I always wanted to know why. Mm-hmm. Not because I was challenging them, because I wanted to be better. I wanted my person to be better. And so if I could take the no and reframe that, which I'm a huge reframer, and turn that into a yes, then that's what I would try to do. So what do you do in the situation where earlier we, we talked about their silence being their best no? Mm-hmm. If you don't if you don't get you just move an explanation. on. So yeah. if you ask for an explanation um, and you don't get it, then it's you're sort of in the danger zone then because if you push it they're probably going to um, block you mm-hmm. or just never take a client of yours again. And so we ha- our media relationships are the most sacred thing that we have. And we can't burn them for a client right. um, because then we can't serve anybody else. So I think you just use your best intuition. Everybody has that sort of internal gauge where they know they've sort of been a little extra in a situation or they've got a little bit you know, more relationship equity they can use. And um, you know, for me... For me, there are very few circumstances now um, where I will burn relationship equity to get more of an answer because I usually have enough you know, knowledge of the game that I can give them a pretty educated guess as to why. Yeah. Or I've gotten enough preponderance of evidence from all the other media we're pitching that are saying no to be able to say extrapolation of here's your answer. But it's important to know. So the fourth thing that I would say is, okay, let's say that you – do pull strings and you get your author on that show Mm -hmm. they have got to bring their a game right because i love it when they're like oh i forgot i had an interview today oh my goodness i just asked my cousin to like put a word in and you like you're not prepared Mm -hmm. right so like clients have got to be prepared and deliver yeah well that's a that that's a big one because we're out there selling the author i'm Mm -hmm. i'm telling the producer hey this guy's a great guest you know and and i mean that i'm not telling a fib um if I didn't believe you were going to be a great guest, then I wouldn't have taken you on to begin with. But you got to be on your A game. If I tell them you're a great guest and you have all this this wealth of knowledge and you're going to be such a resource for their audience, oh, you got to have this guy on. You love him, and then all of a sudden he's on the air and he's awful. Yeah, 
not only is my yeah. credibility damaged, you know, the relationship is is damaged a little bit. The trust factor is, you know, uh, their job is to produce a great television show. Now mm-hmm. their boss is going to come down on them. Hey, mm-hmm. why'd you book this guy? Yeah. Where'd got, this come from? They got to deliver. Right. Or so, everybody's yeah, toast. I'm putting them in a tough situation. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all the way down the line, you got to deliver. Um, whether it's 530 in the morning, mm-hmm. and we've all been in that situation, mm-hmm. The author doesn't want to do early morning interviews mm-hmm. or late night interviews or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. I don't care what time it is. You're paying us to get you on the air. We're putting our neck out there selling you to the producer. Absolutely. you got to deliver. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think those of us who – I find that a lot of publicists think the booking is the thing, and they don't do media training, um, and then they don't listen to mm-hmm. the interview. And so we always – do the training, and we always listen to the interviews because we give feedback, right? So if you have an, an expert or an author who's doing interviews and you don't give them feedback, it's like you don't complete the cycle to me. Like this, the circle of life of an interview, um, you have to have feedback for, hey, when you said that thing, you might want to do it shorter, and here's a suggested way that you might could think about doing it in the future. Um, and that's just part of our job. Yeah. Our job does not end when we get the booking. So the fifth thing is be gracious and grateful, right? I wish I had a a little sign that was made that said, be gracious and grateful. And that goes for me too. (laughs) But how you treat everyone matters. So when we're on site at a TV interview, let's say we're in New York at Today's Show, um, how you treat the doorman, how you treat the front desk receptionist, how you treat the makeup artist, for sure. You would be so surprised how many times I have gotten bad feedback from somebody treating a makeup artist disrespectfully. Mm-hmm. This is not as much for authors and experts as for my um, actors and actresses that are our clients. Um, word travels really fast about poorly behaved people. So I just, you know, even if you don't mean it, say the words, be gracious and grateful, and we will all survive another day. Right? Like First of all, it's just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> be, a, be a good person and treat people well. Um, the gatekeepers are the folks that you got to be good to. You know, mm-hmm. those are the those are the ones that can get you in touch with someone that's hard to get in touch mm-hmm. with or that can, you know, when there's a fire that you need help putting out, those are the folks that they're going to serve you. And word does get around quickly in this business. If you're difficult to deal with or if you're yeah. not someone folks enjoy having around, then uh, you're going to be short lived on the circuit. Yeah, for sure. So the sixth thing, this is one, one that is really difficult for people to understand. And I wrote, I don't know, 20 something years ago the publicity sort of DIY manual at, at HarperCollins, which is Thomas Nelson, um, and it's still in circulation. They've edited it, but I found the statement that came back, and I was like, oh, that is probably literally, if I could boil down everything I've ever said, this is the most important thing ever right here. You, the author or the guest, you are the prop on any radio and TV show you go on. Like, you are not the star. The host is always the star. So you are there mm-hmm. to provide witty, playful banter or to give some expert analysis, but it is about them. So you have to, you know, talk in sound bites, give them a chance to ask, you know, another thing or get a word in edgewise. And you are there to make them look smart. Mm-hmm. So you say please and thank you. Um, you're very gracious to them. And it is never, never, never about you. Laugh at their jokes. Yep. Send a thank you note. Um, all the things. So for people that I deal with that are experts in their field mm-hmm. or they are A-level actors, this is the hard one. Because, oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. They're used to being right? the star. Right? They are. Yeah. And when they go on a morning show, mm-hmm. they're no longer the star. Yeah. Um, and so they have to mentally make that shift. And I have the people who are best at media make that shift quickly. So, and you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thing you have to learn. 
And once you learn it, though, it will take you so much further in your interviewing career than you could have ever done otherwise. Because once you understand that you are the prop, you know, it really just it takes honestly a load of pressure off of you. You don't have to carry this thing. Like it's not your job to carry it. It is their job to carry it. It is their show. So you just got to be charming and fun and all the things. So, sorry, soapbox, yeah, no, but perfect. you can tell no. how passionate I am about that one. <laughs> so the seventh thing your publicist should tell you, but probably won't, is timeliness matters. So if I say to a client, hey, your op-ed is due or your whatever is due this day, do not, do not, do not blow me off. I just had a client who was asked to write something for Time Magazine. No joke. And they missed the deadline. And guess what? they wouldn't even consider it after. Mm, And so I cannot, like Mm -hmm. that's a once a year thing for Mm -hmm. me. Like even with all the kind of clients that we have, time is elusive Mm -hmm. and it is so hard to get into. And like, I literally um, had to get on my knees over that one. And I was like, oh my goodness, why do I do what I do? And why do I do it here? Um, Well, not to mention what we said earlier, they put you in a bad situation now. Because yeah, Yeah. your client's the one that missed a deadline. Mm -hmm. And now that editor has a space to fill. Mm They're in, yeah. you know, last yeah. minute. So now someone else is going to have to go and write something mm-hmm. in, in in a few hours or a day. That's going to be yes, you know, difficult for them and probably not as so that was good somebody product. that was somebody else's really amazing afternoon yeah. because they got a call saying, "Oh my goodness, now I'm in a, a pickle." Yeah. Um, the eighth thing that I like to talk about is press materials are not consumer facing. So, you know, we we do press releases, we do pitches, we do bios, we do fact sheets, we do all kinds of suggest interview questions, fact sheets, whatever. Um, and I have clients who get bent out of shape because it's not exactly how they would say it to mm-hmm. a consumer. And mm-hmm. I always say, it's not for the consumer. This is for the booker. This is for the producer. This is for the gatekeeper. And so I have to use specific language and angles they understand in a mm-hmm. format they're used to so that it gives you the opportunity to say your message yeah. when you get on the show. So the hook that we use to get the booking is very, very different than the message. And so once they understand that, they usually chill out a little bit. Um, Have you had experience with that, Jason? Yeah, you know, I think there is something to understanding, and this is part of the reason that our PR toolkit product, I think, is going to be so helpful for folks, is that there's something to being able to compose a document for a producer that you know includes everything they need to know. It's short, it's sweet, it gets right to the point, it includes all the right information. It's not the flowery language. It's, you know, the producers, they give you about 30 seconds of their attention, and if you haven't gotten them by then, they're, they've moved on. So what is it? Who is the person? Yep. Why should I have them on my show? What are they going to say? You know, why is it relevant to my audience? Let's get right to it, you know? Yep. There's something about being able to, to craft that kind of a, a document. So, yes, when that author who has spent hours mm-hmm. painstakingly crafting the perfect paragraph for the right you know they get it back and it's been edited down it's been cut down to a sentence or two that's not sexy mm-hmm. you know that's not doesn't have all the beautiful language hurts your feelings a little bit mm-hmm. and they, th- that's what they want the producer to see but that's not what the edit that's not what the producer wants to see so yeah, yeah absolutely it goes back to what you said earlier about the ego thing mm-hmm. you know 100 percent two-way street because yeah. Um, a lot of publicists have ego, right? And this mm-hmm. next point really gets to that. So number nine is, please always tell your publicist if you have a cousin twice removed who is a booker at a show, or if you have friends that work at media outlets. And don't let us stumble into that. And then because the ego part comes in where I have pitched, and I have pitched, and I have pitched, and you've held out on me. And then you say, oh, wait, but I know someone I'm really close to at that show. I'm like, dude, then why do you tell me? Mm-hmm. Um, or you book yourself, mm-hmm. right? You right. think I'm not doing my job, right. and you get the booking. And that is like 
that's the moment where I want to crawl mm-hmm. in the hole because I have been beating my head against that particular wall mm-hmm. for weeks. Mm-hmm. And you get the booking and I'm super excited. Yay, sure. we got the booking. And then I'm also like, oh man, it looks like I didn't do my job. Yeah. So that is a hard one for me. Yeah. And I have, have never really found a great way around it other than like we ask a lot of questions up front. Who do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how close are you with them? Mm-hmm. So that Because you are your best tool. So we are there to, to make the load um, equitable and easy. But if you know someone, that personal relationship is going to trump me every time. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with it. Yeah. Well, and selfishly, as a publicist, I always like to... Um, I, I like to make new friends. Mm-hmm. That's a great value right. to me. <laughs> so yeah. if you have someone you can introduce me to there, that's right. great. Now all of a sudden my list of contacts at that outlet is a little bit yeah. deeper. And at the same time too, you can't go around your publicist and book things for yourself because how do you know I haven't booked something at a different network already on that day or that time or that I didn't tell that other network that they could be first or that you got to work through me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not an ego thing. It's just you're paying me to do this and we got to do it this way. You got to funnel it through me because I know what's happening and when mm-hmm. and, and, and what relationships need to be stroked first and uh, yep. you know you got to run it through us it does happen so you're totally right so the last thing this is a good one is just please remember interview etiquette so don't cancel 24 hours prior um be low maintenance don't bring an entourage so your publicist probably doesn't want to have to tell you not to bring an entourage when you have to do media tours um, but they should because it makes you look sort of silly um and then obviously be friendly to everyone from the greeter and beyond so those are the top 10 things your publicist should tell you, but probably won't. That's a great list. Most of our listeners don't have a publicist, and they're not going to have a publicist. But these are all things, if they're going to be their own, yes. that they need to understand because they're not going to have someone holding their hand through this process. Really, really important for them to hear all of those things. And and, and whether that and these are true, whether it's the Today Show, whether it's Good Morning Toledo, it's the same. And here's what I would say to your, like, we're talking about big, big things. And it just hit me that maybe someone out there is feeling discouraged. Mm -hmm. Like, I will never be on that show or time is never going to want me. Like, it doesn't matter. Start where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody starts somewhere. And in fact, even with my really big clients, I don't start them out. Today's show is not the first thing they do. Like, we do some practice runs. We do some smaller shows because I need to see them practice their Mm -hmm. messaging before I put them, you know, in the spotlight, even if they're you know, A-level actors. So I would just say, be very encouraged. Nothing is too small. Then we have some authors or experts who say, oh, that show's too small for me. Well, it really isn't because, you know, everything has now gone global with the internet. And so you may think that that little tiny paper um, doesn't matter, but it does. Because what if you're supposed to reach one person in that town that you never would have reached without doing that interview? Mm-hmm. So I'm a real big proponent of doing all the things that make sense to do. Yeah. And big is not always better. Yeah. No. And one of the points that I, I make with a lot of my author clients is, you know, they'll be quick to say no to a radio show with an audience of 12,000 people. At the same time, if they were to book a speaking engagement in an yes. arena with 12,000 people, they'd be there in a heartbeat. Thank you. What's the difference? Some of those shows, it's not about how many listeners or what, um, you know, how, how wide the radius. It's about how engaged is the mm-hmm. listenership. And so if they have a very engaged Facebook page in that community, that makes all the difference. And so also if you know that radio station is going to promote them a certain number of times on the air before the interview and they're going to do something on the web page, like all of that is taken into consideration before we ever ask a client to lift one finger. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't think it was worth their time, we would never bring it to them. Because I certainly don't want to waste my time booking it. And so I don't book something that 
I don't think they should do. That seems like a good place for us to wrap our conversation, to give our listeners a takeaway. As they're beginning their journey to become an author or influencer, mm-hmm. speaker, whatever it is they aspire to become, what is it that you would tell them? So do some active listening, figure out um, what you want to say and who needs to hear it, and then make a decision that you're going to do it. That then creates a mindset where you can't fail. Easily said, not so easily done. But call Jason if you have a problem. Right, right. I like that. That's a great place to wrap it up. <laughs> That's a great place to wrap it up. Thank you, Jennifer. Hey, thank you. This has been really fun. Thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. And those are some serious truth bombs from Jennifer Willingham. Totally, totally on the money. Um, As a publicist who's done this for a long time, I've been in publishing for about 15 years now and spent several years in PR prior to my time in publishing. Those truths, man, they are universal. And it doesn't really matter what industry you're working in, um, what media you're pitching, uh, all that stuff applies. So if you need to Seriously, go back and listen to this episode a second or a third time. <laughs> and the publicist that you're working with will appreciate it so much. Um, and if that publicist is you, you need to know these things. So great episode, great conversation with Jennifer. And again, so grateful for all of you guys that listened this first season. And I can't wait to come back for season two. We're going to have some awesome conversations with more media professionals, more authors and publishing pros and publicists, and it's going to be a blast. So keep downloading, go back and listen and review and take some notes, and we'll be back with all sorts of great information next season. But until then, thanks so, so much. And on behalf of my amazing producer, David Wilkinson, who is uh, not here today, thank you, David, for all the amazing work you've done on this first season of the Book Publicist Podcast. Can't wait to come back for season two. And don't forget, by the way, the search is over. The publicist is you. The Book Publicist Podcast is part of the Mana 3 Media Network. It is hosted by publicist Jason Jones, and it is produced and edited by me, David Wilkinson. Because this is the last episode of season one, we have some special content for you. Head over to Instagram at Local PR Toolkit for an exclusive clip from Jason's conversation with Jennifer Willingham. You won't want to miss it. And by the way, big special thanks to our guest, Jennifer Willingham, for being on the podcast. Now be sure to go online at localprtoolkit.com to get started right now on becoming your own publicist. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and check out more podcasts by Mana3 Media, including my own, Dad Matters, on Instagram, at Mana3 Media, that's M-A-N-A, the number three, media. So check your feeds once a month until we return for season two of the Book Publicist Podcast. Podcast.